You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn, Tuesday, June 27th. It has been a hot minute since myself, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki have been back with you, but this is an episode that we refuse to miss even amongst our extremely busy summers. We apologize for the hiatus, but life caught up, and you know, when you're an independent podcast, you can just choose to skip stuff, and we determined that you guys seemed upset and probably didn't, you know, want to hear us Mm -hmm. (laughs) regurgitate some of the same stuff so we took a little break but we are back with one of our favorite shows of the year our entry draft preview show Uh, lots to get to tonight we're gonna probably talk about you know anywhere between 10 to 15 prospects that we think would be interesting for the wild to either select at pick number 21 or potentially move up. We'll explore move-up scenarios, trade-back scenarios, give our thoughts on some players, maybe talk through a little bit of what we think's going on inside the heads of Bill Guerin, Judd Brackett, and the rest of the Wild front office. Should be a really fun episode, as it always is. But before we get into all of that, got to check in with the fellas, because like we said, it's I don't even know how long it's been. Like it's, I think it's been over a month. Almost two months. Yeah, almost yeah. two, yeah. At least a month. Because yeah. did almost. the Wild play in May? Uh, probably not. I don't. Yeah, so it's probably been. Think, yeah, no. and it's two twenty seven. Because I think we did one like two weeks after the season ended, so probably like early May. So yeah, probably like a month and a half, two months. Mm-hmm. But that said, Zeke, how you doing, my friend? Um, you know, pretty good. Uh, just like everyone else, just been busy uh, working. Uh, you know, getting outside when it's not like a volcano out there with all the smoke and everything. But. Yeah, no. Aside from that, I mean, like you said, I mean, Brett was saying up uh, before the show, before we were on here, that you know, it was like this week. I had a similar moment too, where it was just realized all of a sudden, seeing like a mock draft or something on the athletic pop up, that you know, you know, holy crap, the draft is already here. So that kind of got me back into the a uh, little bit of the hockey rhythm and checking in on stuff. So it's a, uh, it's uh, you know, it's good to be back, and this is obviously one of the better times of the year for our show and fans in general just the uh, the kind of the excitement and the hope that it brings with it absolutely and justin i know you got to be pumped for tonight's show i think this is probably your favorite episode that we do all year um so obviously had to get make sure we got it done scratch that itch for you but aside from your excitement for tonight's episode how are things doing good yeah i'm absolutely excited i'm <clears throat> been itching we've been uh plugging away on the prospects page so just fired up about tonight but uh, other than that you know i'm doing well busy like uh, everyone else uh baseball season's about to end so that means i'll be done coaching uh after thursday for a little bit and i uh, got a couple hockey camps between the two kids going and and their puck challenges and gonna have to start planning a, a water park hotel here soon i 
set a goal for them if they reach a certain amount of shots that I'd do that for them. And uh, my daughter's met her goal, and my son is very close to his. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just away. I just booked a water park hotel at well, it's a cabin, but uh, I got a buddy who's getting married in August. So yeah, a couple weeks before we uh, we're going down to the Dells for the bachelor party. So finally That's got that booked. So. Blast. Check out the wilderness. There's some there's some good deals. So you're yeah. if you get if you buy. Um, this is not a hashtag, not a sponsor here. If you buy like a room at their property, you get access. They have four indoor, four outdoor water parks that are included with the room. So I have to look into that. We'll probably do something like Great Wolf Lodge, but yeah, uh, Dells are be lines. something I have to do with the kids when they're a little bit older for sure. Yeah. Uh, Dells are great. I've, I haven't mm-hmm. been to the outdoor Dells and since I was like, I don't know, like in my teens. Yeah. I was probably which, like, doesn't seem long ago. And then I'm like, that was nine years ago at earliest, which is like, Man. Oh, eight, eight Time years. slips away. Years. Yeah, yeah. No into my late twenties, which is terrible. Um, I know Wait till you're in your late thirties, man. I know, and I, I know there's people you know listening there probably in their forties and fifties are like, shut up, you're not old. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, really fun episode. So I, I, I'm not gonna waste any time. Uh, we can spend two seconds on the Minnesota Wild. Uh, mm-hmm. Since we last recorded like two months ago, there's literally been like no news. Um, they're still trying to sign Gustafson. They're still thinking about signing Ryan Reeves and they don't know what they're doing with Brandon Duhame or Kalen Addison. Um, the only minor news yep. is, you know, there was rumblings that, you know, last episode that maybe they were thinking about trading Marco Rossi, uh, Rossi. And it sounds like those have now calmed down and that they plan to keep him, which is great. That is good. But did you see the, uh, the, in Russo's mailbag, he said they got an offer that they legitimately thought about last year. Yeah. yeah. So I, I read that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's probably hard, but but you know that I think the Depends good, what it is. you yes. know, if if anything, I think that's a good sign that you know, even if it's easy to think, you know, maybe in our heads, like, oh man, not not our, not our heads, but you know, there are some fans like, oh, this guy's a bust, they got to give up on him, and in my head, it's like, well, if that's the case, why would anybody trade for him? So I think at the, you know the very you know, the worst case of that rumbling is that there are still teams out there who probably value. Marco Marco Rossi, where if they did want to go that value, there probably is a deal to be had. But as we've exhausted on this show, we don't think that's the right move. If you want to hear us talk about that, probably go back to you can probably literally pick any episode that we've ever done, and it's probably mentioned in there at some point. Um, <laughs> but that, that's pretty much it. Um, Brett McLean is the Iowa Wild head coach. We speculated about that a little bit. Um, or sounds like they're close to finding an assistant coach or associate, whatever they want to call it. And that's they added someone in the analytics department. I think that's in charge of kind of like the mental evaluation side. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like that. That's pretty much it. There's been haven't been a lot of significant wild news now in the next 24 to 48 hours. A lot could change there. We'll see. And if there's something significant, we will do our best amidst our busy lives to jump on and hopefully get something there. But mm-hmm. it in less than 24 hours at this time, 8:51 currently. Uh, honestly, this is wouldn't surprise me if right about 24 hours we see the wild making their pick if they don't trade like two hours in is probably a safe guess the yeah, first right. round usually seems to take a while that is long yeah yeah it's, it's long but not as bad as the second day which takes like all day yeah like and i remember it lashing the second round i felt like took longer than the first I know. round like it was just yeah. insane um <laughs> oh there is this is my squirrel moment but um, this may have been something that was slightly overlooked, but not not that I don't think anyone was worried, but um, in the recent Russo-Smith mailbag in The Athletic, 
there was a question about the European guys. So Ugrin, Huzdinov, uh, Yurov, um, and there's a little anecdote in there from Russo that um, he's talked via like social media DMs with both Yurov and Huzdinov, and said both are really plugged in to what's going on with the Wild and like are excited to come over. So like to me, yeah. that's that's exciting. Like yeah, there's always that. just that little piece of you like you yeah. watch the Kaprizov saga. Obviously, the instability in Russia and the war in Ukraine and, you know, these guys, you know, sometimes, you know, always the fear, you know, will the Russians actually come over? Like, just that little tidbit is just like, ooh, that feels good. Like, oh, man, just gets you excited yeah. for the prospects yeah. you already have. And now we'll transition into hopefully um, some good prospects or prospect uh, that we can add to this group. Uh, so we'll start here um, before we get into the wild We'll talk a little about the top of the draft here because it is just such a world-class top of the draft. Um, you know, if you read around any kind of scouting community website, probably, I don't know if it's been determined to be deeper than the 2015 draft, but maybe on par with that 2015 draft, which for those that don't remember the 2015 draft, that was the one with Connor McDavid, um, obviously a pretty comparable player atop this draft, uh, and this one as well with Connor Bedard. Um, and then some pretty high-end talent coming after that as well with Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, uh, Will Smith, uh, and then Matvey Michkov, who seemed to be kind of be the consensus mm-hmm. top five. Um, but the order um, after it seemingly almost guaranteed Bedard goes Chicago unless they do something absolutely that nobody expects, which would be very unlikely, um, would seem to be that he goes one. And then maybe some questions as to what happens there at two. Uh, sound like there's been some hemming and hawing about what the Ducks might do with that pick. So that's kind of where I wanted to start. Um, you know, if if Connor Bedard was going anywhere but the Blackhawks, I'd like to talk to you about him more. But um, <laughs> I'm still just so mad at that that yeah. I don't really want to talk about Connor Bedard. Yeah. I'm like, I hope you have a great career, and I hate that you have to play for the Blackhawks, and I'm probably never going to cheer for you, but it's not your fault. Yeah, I, mean, I was super frustrated, and I was hoping he would go to anyone but them. Literally. I mean, there's a couple other teams I would hate, too. But Now he's going to be beating uh, the Wild yeah. in the second round four years in a row, <laughs> probably two years from now, right, when Damn we trade all, our, trade all our picks and sign an $11 million player. Oh, never mind. Sorry. But, like, I think it's funny. Like, you Tom. look at that roster, it's like, oh, yay, you have – Connor Bedard, Taylor Hall, and Nick Felino and Andreas Anthony's see you. Woohoo! That's Jones. <laughs> like, that team is still going to be absolutely garbage for like years. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I can I hope. Yeah. So <laughs> let's just like mock draft like the first mm-hmm. five picks here. Just kind of, you know, there, it sounds like, you know, the consensus among rankings seems that Adam Fantilli. Hoy Baker winner out of the University of Michigan seems to be kind of the consensus number two, but you never know if it's agents or whoever else stirring the pot to stir the pot. But it sounds like, you know, I've, I've seen Leo Carlson mocked there. I've seen Will Smith mocked there. It doesn't sound like Mitch Koff is in the mix for the Ducks. Although I think if there was a team kind of in this top five, that would make sense. Like mm-hmm. Anaheim is a team that like, yeah, they have some good young players in, you know, guys like Jamie Drysdale, Trevor Zegris. But, like, beyond that, like, there's not much there. Like, they're not close right. to, like, a retool, right? Like, you know, Columbus has some guys. San Jose, you know, I think has some good pieces in place. Montreal, you know, obviously has some good pieces there with Caulfield, Suzuki, among others, where, like, maybe you don't want to wait, you know, till 2026 when Mitchkoff's contract is up. But, like, the Ducks are a team that, like, if there was a team maybe in there that could take that shot, maybe it would be them. 
Um, but who do you guys think would go number two or will go number two? I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's like what, you know, you just said, Brett, with Fantilli going number two. I mean, I guess certainly possible. I know from reading, you know, Scott Wheeler's mock draft, he thinks it's either him or Leo Carlson at that spot for Anaheim. He doesn't think like Will Smith or somebody like that is in the consideration. I mean, obviously he had a great year, probably one of the best freshman seasons ever in college hockey. He had 30 goals, 65 points in that 36 games. And obviously he's a center and 6'2 and, you know, good size, great skill and all that. So I don't, I guess I don't, it doesn't seem like something that you could probably pass up at that point. And it seems like he's been the number two for, you know, pretty much this whole year. So I, I would expect that, that that's who they'll go with. But. Yeah, I would, I would imagine Fantilli, but I mean, Leo Carlson wouldn't be, I mean, it's a win-win either way for them. Yeah. I mean, he's put up pretty good numbers playing in a, our, uh, you know, another men's pro league in the SHL. So, I mean, a little different players, but, you know, Carlson bringing some good passing puck handling and can play physical. I mean, uh, I didn't read on these guys a whole lot just because you kind of know what they they are, but I, I think it would be Fantilli. But either way, they're they're in a good position, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I think you know, even though there's been smoke there, I do think Fantilli goes number two. Like, um, and like the crazy thing about this top five, if I think we talked about this maybe um, last week potentially. Uh, or not last week, last show, but um, by some scout, scouts' uh, eyes, the top five in this class, all five of them, so Bedard, Fantilli, Smith, Carlson, Mitchkoff, are thought of as better prospects than, like, a lot of last year's, like, first-round picks. And, like, it might be, like, eight, eight, nine players deep that would maybe be in the mix for, like, the number one pick last year. Like, that's how deep um, the top of this draft really is. So... Really, no way the Anaheim can go wrong with that pick. I think where it starts to get really interesting is the Columbus pick because I think, you know, they're a team that, you know, I don't think really need – I mean, they're all centers, right? So I think, you know, a lot of it hinges on probably who goes before. But I think if Fant- you know, if, if Fantilli, I think, drops past two, I think they go there for sure. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, even though Leo Carlson has been in the mix at two, I wouldn't be surprised if Columbus goes with Will Smith. Um just given his um, kind of the, the type of of player that he is down the middle, um, maybe mm-hmm. to complement some of that higher skill they have on the wing, uh, maybe a better fit than a Leo Carlson, who's maybe more of that more of that two way type of guy um, than that offensive kind of unique skill set. So I wouldn't be surprised here if Will Smith went to the Jackets at three. No, uh, not wouldn't be surprised at all. And uh, I mean, I think that's who they at the Athletic. They're last draft today uh, that's who they had them picking and obviously he's another guy like you said great skill really dynamic buck handler had a great year at the uh, national team program and i think he's a boston college commit if i remember right so i would assume that he'll probably be in college next year but obviously columbus is it's not uh, necessarily important to them because they're not looking to compete next year anyways but but yeah i know that i know the gm did say that they're they're he basically said we're going to draft a franchise center is what the words he used. So I think probably, you know, as we talked about any of those guys would probably fit that bill, uh, you know, at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think 
I mean, the top five really are interchangeable, like you mentioned, but uh, I think wherever, when Fantilli goes second or Carlson goes second, the other will third. But, I mean, Will Smith, he's one of the best playmakers in the draft. Really can't go wrong, uh, like we've said, with any of these five. So, I mean, not, I wouldn't really be surprised if any of these guys kind of went interchangeable after Bedard. Uh, I can even see, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, but some of these guys – you know, a couple guys falling a little bit and a couple guys getting elevated after that. But, um, I mean, any of these top five players can go anywhere. I mean, other than Bedard, it, it, nothing would really surprise me. Right. Yeah, the, the Sharks, I think, for me, are the first team that I think could really be in, in contention to maybe take a swing on Mitch Koff. You know, a team that, you know, is obviously looking to trade Eric Carlson, like just shipped off Timo Meyer. Um, you know, obviously they let Pavelski go a couple years ago. Um, you know, there isn't much left there in their core, you know, as a team that through the you know late 2000s, early 2010s, you know, was a team that was seemingly in the playoffs every year, making deep playoff runs and, um, you know, never came to fruition for him for a cup. Um, so they've got to, you know, kind of go the rebuild route. We just saw them, you know, today acquire a, another goalie, their seventh or, you know, it's like their 10th, 11th, 12th goalie they've acquired since like 2020. <laughs> Um, like this is a team that's not close to competing, so you know maybe this is a team that does take a shot on Mitchkov. You know, similar to that Duck situation where maybe they're not close. Um, but I think when you look at it too, when you are picking fourth, and there is a guy like Leo Carlson there, like that opportunity cost of like, well, we might, you know, we hopefully get this guy in 2026, but there's this other, you know, really high end player here. Um, you know, that might just be just too. Like say I don't mean want safe to be like a, a knock on Carlson. I think he's a great player still, but like it, it's the safer pick than Mitch Koff. And I, I I just don't think I can see the Sharks at four. Maybe if they were at five, they make that they make that choice. But I think at four here, I, I do think they go Carlson. Although I think they'll think long and hard about Mitch Koff. And this would also be a situation where if there is if there is someone um, who really wants Mitch Koff, um, that maybe this is a spot where even the Sharks trade down, you know, two mm-hmm. three spots. Yeah, I mean, kind of jumping ahead a little bit again, uh, in terms of teams trading up, I, I think if Mitchkov falls to five, a team like, I've kind of read a couple of things, a team like Washington could mm-hmm. conceivably try and trade up from eight to five to take and, him. And if there's a team who would feel comfortable getting him over here, you would think Washington's got to be one of yeah, them. That's yeah, that's OV on the roster. Yeah. OV, Kuznetsov, yeah, Orlov, yeah, right. Varlam- Varlamov for a while. Like, they've had their share of Russians on that squad. Yeah, you know, if he does fall to somehow falls to six, I, I can see Arizona taking him too because they're kind of in that situation where they have a ways to go. They have, you mm-hmm. know, they pick again at twelve. Like, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. I, it seems like uh, you know the one after that too in Philadelphia apparently is kind of uh, in is supposedly yeah, they're, they're tearing that, that shit down just, as they should. But I mean, we just saw kind of that first domino drop with uh getting into the old school yep with with you know obviously the gm the coach kevin hayes now mm-hmm. traded out to the blues for a sixth round pick um it sounds like at one point i think travis konechny or was it somebody else or was it sandheim yeah sandheim i think was in the mix there at one point they were mm-hmm. trying maybe a sign it or a, a trade and retrade with like tory krug um in that blues deal like it looks like nothing is really off the table for them in terms mm-hmm. of players willing to move. I've heard Carter Hart's name come up a couple times as, you know, someone potentially on the move. So yeah, Zeke, I agree. I mean if they're you know, if you're in 
in phase one of the rebuild, adding a guy like Mitch Koff would be a pretty good way to start that. Um, and, you know, wouldn't you know? It'd be a, a pretty big swing and a pretty good start for for Danny Breer there. So yeah, I, I agree. I think five. I think that five to seven range, whether it's Montreal, Arizona, Philadelphia, or someone trading into one of those spots, I think is probably where Mitch Koff ends up going. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know which team. I I, I, I yeah, it's a. I don't know. It's kind of find it kind of weird that you know we've seen the potential rumors about. Montreal too apparently wanting to maybe trade back get another first I mean they traded their other first for Alex Newhook today and it, I don't know it seems like I mean I, I don't know too much about the guys but obviously Stefkovsky isn't necessarily a bust yet but it, you know it seems like they need the the skill and take a little bit you know I don't know it doesn't it seems a bit weird that yeah, you I don't would think I would trade out of that spot yeah it seems a bit weird that you would do that this year or maybe that's just not gonna happen yeah but. I think uh, I think Mitchkoff to Philadelphia makes sense the most to yeah. me, um, unless someone trades into that five or six spot. You know, I think the Coyotes they they, they drafted Connor Geeky I think eleventh or twelfth overall last year. Obviously, they have Logan Cooley. They took was he third overall? Yes, two years ago or is that last year too? Uh, it was last year, I think. Last yeah. year, yeah. So I mean, the, in um, the other some other guys there: Dalibor, Dvorsky, um, Ryan Leonard on the wing. Um, a guy we'll probably talk about at some point on this show today. We will talk about Oliver Moore. Um, a, a lot of centers, you know, that they could add, you know, nest for them, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a high ceiling center, you know, with a guy like Cooley in there who probably, you know, is eventually going to be your number one center. So you could probably afford maybe just, you know, a high floor, you know, second line center, maybe, you know, a, a, a high ceiling winger or something there. Maybe they go out and grab a defenseman or something like that. So, I think there's too many options there for Arizona, so my bet would be Mitchkoff goes goes to the Flyers. But uh, where's your guy Zeke? It sounds like you know that was obviously your idea from the start, Philly. Justin, are you with us there? Or do you think he could go somewhere else? Who we're talking about again? Sorry, Mitchkoff. Mitchkoff, I. Oh man, that's. I, I don't think he falls to uh, Philly. I, I think he ends up going to that five spot. Do you think that's Montreal, or do you think someone trades into that spot? You know, I. That's that's a tough thing. I think I think if someone really wants it, they'll trade up. Because you know, when was like, the oh, last time someone traded into the top five? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like I don't I don't want to look, but I feel like it hasn't been recent at all. Like I right. think those trades just don't happen yeah, anymore. No, but. they don't. <clears throat> I'm gonna just you know kind of throw shit at the wall and say that Washington trades up, picks picks them there. There you go. All right. Well, there's yeah, our. There's our uh, our mock draft for the first couple picks. Probably super wrong. Um, that's probably not what you came to show. You want to hear us talk about the guys uh, that the Wild could pick. Um, so we can do this in one of two ways. Leave it up to you guys how you want to do it. Um, I think there's a consensus player that's kind of our, you know, our Marco Rossi, our Jesper Volstadt, a guy that we don't think is going to fall. But, you know, depending on where you look, there's a chance. Um or, you know, it's someone that, you know, hey, maybe he doesn't fall to the wild pick, but they, he falls into a range where they could maybe trade up. Um, so mm-hmm. you guys want to start with those players, or do you want to start with the players we think will be there at 21, talk about guys that we hope would fall, could trade up? Uh, where do you want to start there? Uh, I guess I'd say we start with a little bit of the long shot, in my opinion. But just Yeah, to... sounds good to me. All right, we'll go with the long shot. So let, let, let's go with our uh, – our consensus, cross our fingers, guy that we hope falls. 
Um, and I think this is one fans will enjoy too. And that is one Oliver Moore, uh, the pride of Moundsview, Minnesota, um, headed off to the University of Minnesota next year. Uh, spent the last couple years with the United States National Development Team program. Uh, prior mm-hmm. to that, uh, two years at Totino Grace. So homegrown talent kid. Um, a lot of exciting things about this player. Uh, left shot, centerman, uh, 5'11", 188 pounds, so good size. Um, pretty much unanimously thought of as the best skater in this draft class and just a complete toolkit across the board from his compete level, two-way game. Um, you know, there's just a great all-around offensive skill set with the shooting, the passing, the two-way game, good in the face-offs, you know, just that tenacity that, you know, a guy like, Gar- you know, Garen seems to covet. Um, you know, a lot to love, seemingly kind of the type of center that the wild would covet. Um, but the question is just, does he fall? You know, I think he's been, you know, mocked inside the top 10. I've seen him others, you know, falling into the twenties. Um, it just really depends on where you look. So it's hard to say for sure, but, um, definitely a guy that'd be ecstatic if he, if he found his way to the wild one way or another. Yeah. I mean, this seems to be a guy that a lot of wild fans like just from seeing what people are saying, but, um, not like we're homers or anything. No, not at all. (laughs) But Just kind of reiterating, uh, maybe the fastest skater in the draft. And uh, I read, he might be the fastest skater in the the past two, three drafts that, you know, that's been available. Uh, just a high end motor. He absolutely explodes past defenders. I was watching some YouTube clips of him, some of the scouting, uh, YouTube pages and, uh, one of the knocks maybe is that he is too fast at times and, you know, maybe gets ahead of his teammates too much and then you know, over stick handles because of that speed. But uh, if you can harness that and, you know, maybe mix them with someone like who's Nadinov and something in the future, that would be incredible. I mean, like you said, he's committed to the Gophers, so it would be fun to watch him in our own backyard again, kind of like we did with Faber once he got traded here. But uh, absolutely would be ecstatic if we drafted him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think like you guys said, he just, uh, like, like both of you guys said, he fits kind of what we know the wild Valley or have valued the last few years with, you know, the skating, the high end skating. And as Brett mentioned, the, the kind of the two way game and in defensive responsibility and, and all that, which is kind of, you know, obviously what they're missing. But I think, you know, the exciting thing about him obviously is that it's not, it's not like he's just a safe, He's not like a safe pick. He's not just, you know, going to, you know, put up maybe score 20 goals and have 45 points or something. It seems like a guy who could legitimately produce points and be a, you know, kind of, if not top line at the very, you know, at the very least, a very good top six center who can, you know, pretty much seemingly from everything that's said about him play anywhere in your lineup really in any situation. And, I mean, obviously, you know, well, they're just lacking centers with any kind of really high end skill outside of their top couple guys overall. So that would be a great fit uh, in that sense. But as you know, like you guys said, it doesn't seem, seems like the kind of guy that is probably could, you know, go a little bit earlier. No, I think it might help. There might be a better chance of him falling if we see potentially a run on defenseman in that kind of second half of the top 10 or whatever, like there always seems to be every draft. So, you know, maybe, as Brett mentioned, if that happens and he falls to like 16, 17, right in there, maybe you could throw one of those second round picks or a couple of them or whatever, and maybe get uh, someone to bite if they don't, if you think he's there. But 
yeah, that would be, I, I, mean, I guess this is, uh, that would be a really good fit for uh, pretty much all, everything that he brings. Yep. And I kind of want to correct myself from what I said. I said, it'd be fun to pair him with who's the, the hope is who's pans out of center. So we have three centers with Rossi, but if he and you know, ended up playing the wing, those two guys with speed would, would be fun together. But yeah, the hope is who's works out of center. <laughs> but I mean, it, if you have too many centers where you need to move one to wing, yeah. that is also right. not a bad thing. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, if, if Rossi pans out, you have Eck and you have Huzaninov and all of them are falls to you, one of those guys is not your 4C. Um, That's true. So, so so one of those three would move to the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, if that scenario panned out, I don't, I don't know if it would shock me if Rossi was one that went to the wing there just – maybe getting you know getting that size you know maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little more palatable on the wing but who knows um yeah that would be a dream scenario um you know we're never gonna say never because i th- we i don't even think we hardly talked about Volstead. Um, no we didn't because no, we, we we had, we talked had about Cosa. Yeah. yeah we talked about i think yeah we talked about Cosa, and then all of a sudden it was like Volstead just kept dropping and detroit took Cosa, and it was like holy shit this might happen, and then, you know, Rossi, obviously the drop wasn't needed as far, but, you know, he was a guy that was widely thought of as a top-five pick and slipped to nine, so anything can happen. And, and I think, um, Zeke, was at your point about, you know, all of a sudden a run of D. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's always the thing, um, you know, that's really hard to mock, is there are teams that won't draft best player available, and they will draft position-based. So if yeah. there is a team that's looking for wings or defensemen, that, that could cause that drop. Um, a little bit, and I, and I do think it's a very realistic scenario for the Wild to at least. I, I'm not saying they will be able to trade up, but I think it will be something they would try. I think the question is how far can they realistically trade up? Um, I mean, if you look at you know the teams that have two first round picks, you know that maybe are open to moving back. You have Arizona with picks six and twelve. You know, I think twelve could be potentially a realistic possibility. I mean, you get an an, an asset plus pick twenty one. Maybe not the worst thing there. Um, the next closest, so you have Detroit, who has nine and seventeen, Philly at seven and twenty-two, um, Chicago at one and nineteen. So two spots there, still a potential. Would Chicago do that with a division team? Hard to say. Um, otherwise, you have San Jose four and twenty-six. Doesn't really help you there. Philly seven and twenty-two probably doesn't help you there. Um, the only other team I'll throw into this mix. It sounds like there's been a little bit of mumbling. Um, Justin, you mentioned Montreal at five, and then also uh, I've heard Vancouver um, potentially maybe willing to trade back out of spot 11. So there could be, you know, th- that's where I would probably start looking is those teams with multiple, like, hey, we'll give you 21 plus, you know, maybe it's uh, Kalen Addison or maybe it's Ryan O'Rourke or, you know, it's it's one of Adam Beckman or, you know, one of these maybe mm-hmm. not elite, elite prospects, but one of these prospects like, hey, this guy probably should play in the NHL. So we'll give you this NHL likely prospect plus your chance to pick, you know, another player 10 spots later than before. So um, I think it's possible. I think they'll explore it, whether or not they can get it done. Who knows? You know, maybe it's a little bit easier to trade up, you know, two, three spots. Who knows? But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you just never know. So, well, I mean, it obviously depends too on, you know, we don't know their list, so they might, right. uh, who they have, yeah, who they, they have. Like, yeah, one. We have four guys. We're just going to wait, sit tight. So. Yeah. Um, and we we kind of saw them do that last year when it was sounded like it was uh, Snuggerud, Yurov, and Ugrin. Um, I think I think it might have been that order uh, for mm-hmm. them too, if if I remember right from watching um, that kind of behind the scenes. 
look on, on those three guys. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but Oliver Moore would be a fantastic excitement uh, for us. So um, I have two other names kind of written down here that I'd be hopeful to fall. But uh, Justin, I know this <laughs> is a segment that you had kind of brought up. So um, I'll let you, if, if you have another player or two that you would maybe be hopeful to fall, um, feel free to bring them up here. Yeah, give me a second. I'm going to pull it up. I, I will say his name. I, I don't want to say his name because I'll just say his name, but I know he's one of Zeke's guys, so I don't really want to cover him till he covers him. But sure. uh, Dmitry Simashev is mm-hmm. one player that – he's a defenseman, and you know we kind of want centers and wings. We went kind of D-heavy in the past, but he's one defenseman that absolutely would – take in the first round if he you know mm-hmm. yeah. if we'll we were have, to we'll have Zeke, uh talk a little bit more about him here in a little bit but uh i think the the tldr here he's while he is a defenseman he's not the type of defense that the wild really have in the system right now and we'll expand mm-hmm. on that a little bit um the two other names i had written down here one of them um gabe perot um a little bit of a divisive prospect um but I mean, this is a guy that has just some incredible um, offensive tools. Not the greatest skater, but competes his butt off. He has a really good shot. He set the single-season point record for the national team development program this season, one of the highest point-per-game rates in the program's history. Um, played on that top line. I think it was with Will Smith um, and I think another guy. Uh, Ryan Leonard, maybe. Yeah, Ryan Leonard, who I think is another like fringe mm. top 10 it could be in the side of the top 10 just outside um but i mean he's a winger who's just creativity off the chart um 510 round 511 a little bit on the lighter side 165 a left shot but i mean if if you are the wild um this is a guy that i th- i think it, it would be more if he falls far enough um you know if, mm-hmm. if they're in a place where um, you know, I think there could be a draft strategy this year where they go, we have a deep prospect pool. Let's take a swing for the fences on this pick. To me, that's kind of a Gabe Perot. You know, I think there's a, a little bit of concern, you know, with a, a couple things. Um, but if you want to swing for the fences pick, I think he could be one. And um, maybe those concerns around his skating and some of those things cause him to drop. But I think he'd be just a really fun player. Almost maybe like a, you know, obviously Fiala could skate like the win, but kind of everything else, maybe a little Kevin Fiala. Uh, type player in him there yeah and i actually have them written down too i had to go through my pages i have a wingers a defenseman and a center page that we've been kind of using and uh he he's kind of been one of my favorites throughout this process too uh like you mentioned uh kind of skating is his weakness but he might be the most intelligent player in the draft uh deceptive playmaker i'm kind of just reiterating what you said has NHL bloodlines. I think his dad was Yannick Pro, and his brother plays NHL, so he's got that NHL bloodline. Uh, not necessarily important for you know getting drafted and being who he is, but uh, certainly helps having you know family that that trains you well. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the points thing: 132 points with the U.S. national team. Just incredible. Uh, would absolutely be a fun pick to to be able to take. Yeah, no, and that's definitely a like you guys mentioned. That's a definitely an upside uh, upside pick. Which I get, you know, as we said at twenty one, when at that point in the draft, you're kind of, you know, usually not going to be able to. It's a little harder to find the higher end guys. Is maybe a good idea to, to like you, Brett mentioned, take a swing. And it seems like 
seems like the Wild have been willing to do that uh, last few years with some of their guys. But uh, so yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. And I have one more final player here, um, mm-hmm. who, even among scouting communities, I mean, widely thought of as a top ten pick, but I've seen him ranked anywhere from like the top five to like falling in the mid teens. Um, and that is Carson Lambos's teammate for the Winnipeg Ice uh, and Zach Benson, mm-hmm. uh, a five foot nine, hundred sixty three pound left winger. Um, a lot of the things we said about Gabe Perot kind of flip over here to Zach Benson. Just really talented offensively, a um, little bit better skater. Um, maybe not that that high end breakaway speed, but can accelerate. Really creative. Um, you know, kind of that Kaprizov with his ability to kind of open his hips, create space. Um, great shot really thinks the game at a high level. Um, I know if those of you that follow Spoke Z on Twitter or listen to the Soda Pod, this is a guy I know he has been in love with for like two years. Um, lo- always lauds how much he loves Zach Benson. So um, I've seen him ranked as high as like five, six by some. I've seen him mocked and ranked in the teens and others. So um, another guy that just, you know, you never know what team's thoughts are, but um, you know, another guy I'd be pretty excited if, if the Wild found a way to uh, – to wrap him mm-hmm. up as well and he plays in the dub which we know yes. uh yeah, Judd know. Brackett loves the yeah. dub so hmm. I yeah think I, I mean I've seen uh people say he can possibly fall just because of his size we all know yeah. that can be kind of a a knock on kids and uh, maybe right not rightfully so but um uh, incredible hockey sense and uh incredible passing like you said, Lambos' teammate, he'd be an incredible player to have in the system. Uh, another, a short king for Brett. Uh, he's kind of been waiting on his short king after losing on Stan Coven and such. But, you know, uh, you he'd go be... go back and just search my Twitter handle with <laughs> Stankovin and how many times I said the Wild should have taken Logan Stankovin. Oh, yeah. We've said it quite a few times. You've said it quite a few times. (laughs) I was like, I thought they should have taken him where they took Lambos. And I still stand behind. I love Carson Lambos. Don't get me wrong. But Stankovin would have been the – like, he has been unbelievable. I was like, stop sleeping on your short kings. They are good. They are good. And, of course, he got drafted by Dallas. Son of a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's like, oh, I like you, but you're going to go to a team that I hate. Well, see ya. Frick off. <laughs> don't sign there but you probably are because your state income tax is good and you're gonna make a lot of money so good yeah. for you <laughs> those are the three that i had um mm-hmm. do you guys have any others no i i yeah i basically had pro like you mentioned uh oliver moore and then Simishev, but i'll let zeke mm-hmm. touch on him when, when we get to that point yeah all right well why don't we get to that point uh, yeah, so our, our next segment here, this is probably the segment you have all are most going to want to listen into here. So we've done this, I think now every year we've done the podcast. Um, I think even the first year, I think it was one of our earliest episodes we ever did of the show mm-hmm. was kind of previewing the draft um, in the COVID year. So uh, what we'll do here, we'll each go through three players. So if it isn't obvious by now, it's not our players that we think are, you know, our favorite three players in the draft. It is our favorite three players we think could be available at the Wilds pick at 21. So this is based off of, you know, obviously we don't know teams draft boards, so we're doing our best to pull rankings from areas like the athletic, elite prospects, um, hockey prospecting, anywhere we can find ranks, mock drafts. We're trying to find guys who are probably maybe in that 15 to 25 range. 
um, you know, maybe a little bit above, maybe a little, even a little bit later in some cases, depending on where you look. Um, but just guys that will likely have at least a chance um, of being there at the pick, talk what we like about them, what maybe you know some of the concerns, those types of things. Um, and then shortly after this show is released, you will find a graphic um, on both our social channels where we rank kind of these. Um, it'll end up being 10 players instead of the nine we talked about, kind of our consensus on um, you know wh where we like each of these guys collectively. But a lot of crossover in our list, which um, usually seems to be uh, pretty common among us, which he isn't the worst <laughs> thing. So, Zeke, because we've teased it uh, a lot already, why don't we go to you here first um, to talk about Dmitry Simashev? Yeah, so, you know, like Brett mentioned, he's a little bit of a different uh, player compared to what the Wilds have on their team and in their system right now. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the guys, a lot of, you know, in the NHL, we have Wilds have a lot of guys who are been great defensively, who, you know, are great skaters for the most part. Uh, but, you know, the one thing that's kind of, you know, we've talked about in the fan, in the, you know, the fan space at least is that. They kind of lack maybe a little bit of size in the back end at times. You know, that's it's a debatable thing of whether or not that, you know, how much that has mattered in the playoffs, for example, or whatnot. And they also seem to lack kind of that, uh, you know, that really, really a real top end kind of defensive prospect. And, you know, I don't know exactly if Simashev is totally like that top, top tier guy. But I think if, you know, if you put him in based off what I read, he would probably be their best. The prospect. I mean, obviously, you know, like I mentioned, he's got the big size at 6'4", 201, left shot defenseman. He's, a, you know, I think maybe one of his biggest, if not his biggest, you know, proponent, uh, his biggest, you know, strength seems to be his skating. He seems to be, from some of the clips I saw and from, you know, reading through elite prospects, the athletic just seems to be, you know, great straight lines, great straight line skater. He's can really fast. He can move, get back and defend on his gaps uh, and just overall very mobile and sounds a little bit like, you know, burning in that sense, you know, that their skating is the biggest part of their game and it really, you know, helps them a lot. But I think the knock on him from what I've read is that he's maybe not, at least as of yet, kind of used that uh, to his advantage offensively in, you know, jumping up in the play and, and making, you know, creating offense with that, uh, with the, with the skating, which would make him, you know, if he was doing that, he probably wouldn't, uh, he would probably be a top 10 pick for sure at that point. But so, yeah, no, he's, I think like Brett said, he's a little bit different, uh, compared to some of the other guys just with yeah, the, I mean, even size alone, the wild don't have a six foot yeah, four no, they don't. prospect. I mean, they don't. if you've heard any criticism of the wilds blue line right now, it's mm -hmm. the size, you know, we've heard yeah. that reiterated over and over again. It's why John Merrill, you know, seemingly drew into the lineup more often than killing Addison, mm -hmm. Alex Kuligoski, those types of things. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm in the camp. They shouldn't draft a defenseman, but this would be like the one exception I would probably make. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's basically a six foot four guy that can skate good <laughs> on defense. Yeah. Like you know, like a maybe not as good as Brodeen, but you know, mm -hmm. um, and and he's you know top notch physically. Uh, like you said, uh, Zeke good at covering oh. his gaps, and then if he loses a step on a player, it, it doesn't take much for him to to widen. Uh, mm -hmm. He has good range, so he, he's never really out of it. If if someone has a step on him, he you know closes in on him pretty quick. So mm -hmm. yeah, and then uh, just to give you kind of a scope and just you know how how wide of range these guys can be, uh, just at the athletic alone, Scott Wheeler tenth in his rankings, Corey Pronman thirty fifth in his. Like mm 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just completely, yeah, you, just... you know, different ends of the, of the, of the spectrum there. So, um, although Promen doesn't, does admit he will likely be picked, um, higher than 35, probably even, uh, considerably higher. Um, <laughs> some of his knocks, um, not a ton of skill smarts and control thinks he can maybe not simplify the game at times. Okay. Statistical talent, but, um, you know, he thinks maybe more like a three to five defense and Wheeler thinks, you know, maybe more of his, uh, you know, the complimentary top pair, um, the more defensive minded top pair guy mm-hmm. that chips in. So maybe like a Jacob Slavin ish type of defender. Um, Adam Larson has been a name I've seen linked as a similar comp okay. to who's been a very good top four defenseman his whole career too. So that's the thing with these like rankings that like, you just, you never know. You never know. No. Like, <laughs> like, he, he could be three on someone's board and could be 44th on somebody else's. Like, mm-hmm. You just never know. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so Justin, obviously a guy you like, not a guy I did a ton of homework on, so I don't really have much to add. Um, so uh, Justin, we can go uh, to you next. Um, you can go any way you want there with any of the three guys you have. Yeah, I'll just start off with uh, Samuel uh, Samuel Hanzik. He's a six foot four, hundred eighty five pound left shot center. I've seen him ranked as uh, you know at wing too, but I, I think he's mostly center. Elite prospects has him as a center. Put up fifty six points in forty three games for Vancouver in the the WHL, which you know we we know about. Plays in the dub. Love the dub. Plays in the dub. Um, Vancouver wasn't a very good team, so you know having having you know pretty good stats is you know pretty good sign. Top of being big, uh, plays yes. he's big, but he doesn't you know he doesn't he can play with power, but he plays with a lot of finesse. I was watching some YouTube videos on him, and he, his skating is really good, especially for his six four frame, and and he can really fire the puck like he has a, a laser of a shot. Um, You'd think a guy who's six foot four could really lean on a stick and get a laser of a shot, but it is mm-hmm. one of the shots. So I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> um, I mean, he does really well protecting the puck, and you know, I, some of the plays I saw him making, and just the defenders can't get the puck from him going around him because he's so big and, and plays with such finesse. Um, playmaking is a work in progress, but you know, I, I think this would be an awesome piece to add to our our pool. Yeah, I think there's a lot of belief too from what what I've looked into is that like the the floor for him feels pretty safe to call him like a middle six guy, so second, yeah. third liner with like a potential to maybe unlock even more there. And you know whether he fits at center, if you know if it is left wing. I mean, you look down the middle. You know, if if you believe in Rossi, you have who's enough. You have Eck like down the left side. You have Kaprizov. You have Boldy, Liam Ugrin. Like you have a lot of guys like. If this is a guy that can be versatile and where you put him, um, whether that's, you know, up in the lineup, a little bit further down the lineup. But, you know, I think the while they're at a point where, you know, they maybe want to add size and just players that are well-rounded, right? They have a lot of, you know, I don't want to call them specialists, but maybe guys who excel in one area, maybe come up short in others. So I think, you know, finding these guys, you know, maybe like, a you know, like kind of like, a, you know, the Liam Ugrin pick last year, like maybe nothing that Ugrin does spectacularly, but just that well-rounded, big-bodied winger. Which, you know, um, one thing I, I did want to hit on is I think, you know, if, if there's maybe something I'm watching a little bit more for in in this draft, um, as much as I love my short kings, I mean, you just look at, you know, what they've said about Rossi, the, what they've said about Addison, um, talking about, you know, maybe why, you know, they've been concerned about their right side and the size on the right side and, you know, the grit first mentality and the compete level. Um, to me, a lot mm-hmm. of that hints at, you know, as much as it pains me, like they might look for the bigger players, um, 
Obviously, my, my hope is that's not the only thing they're looking at. You know, it's my hope that they're looking at, you know, the Simashevs, the Hanzik, who guy, guys that are big and can play at the same time. They're not just drafting, you know, a Jordan Greenway who's always huge. He's got to be good, right? Yeah. Um, so that's mm-hmm. something I am watching. So a guy like, you know, a Hanzik, you know, I think makes sense for the type of team that they're trying to build. And, you know, again, maybe something that doesn't really exist in the prospect pool, maybe outside of a Matt Boley, who is probably their, their biggest winger. Um, that they have right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elite Prospects also said in their write-up, I'm remembering, that he might be the most soonest NHL ready outside the top 10. So there's that as well. Great. Um, all right, we'll go. right, I'll go next here. Um, the guy I'm going to talk about here um, is Calum Ritchie. Uh, 6'2", 187-pound center. Um, right shot center. Um, so checking a lot of the, uh, needs boxes, um, if you will, uh, wore a C, uh, for the Oshawa or an, an A, excuse me, for the Oshawa, Oshawa generals this year. Um, good size, six to 185 pounds. I think I mentioned that already. Um, really good game away from the puck. Took a lot of strides last season. Um, this is a guy who profiles maybe a little bit more. Um, as a playmaker, um, you know, a little bit of Freddie Goudreau in him, and then he's crafty in shootouts. Um, still has a good shot. Um, some of the knocks at times, I think, is that there are games where maybe he plays a little bit too much on the outside, a little bit too perimeter. Um, but overall, like a really, a really well-rounded player um, overall. And I think you look, you know, again, um, Justin, you and I talked about this earlier, and this is kind of how I described him to my roommate um, he's kind of the passing version of a, like a Jewel Erickson Eck. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not the compete level as of yet, um, but I think, you know, that could be more of a, 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 a systematic thing or systemic thing. Um, I feel like that's something you can, you can coach. You can, you know, maybe teach a guy how to go into those dirty areas, those types of things. And, you know, at that size, a right shot, a center. Um, and, you know, if, if you can get him, you know, with guys, maybe that grind a little bit more, maybe he doesn't have to be that, that grinder in the corner. If he can be that good, two-way passing center you know maybe that's a guy that can play with a Kaprizov or a Boldy or whoever else so that's a guy I really like there and I think you know given the needs would potentially make a lot of sense and seemingly as a guy that really feels like he has a high potential to be there at 21 as well great work as a playmaker so you know definitely a player that that would be fun to track and cool to I I would uh, not mind seeing us draft yeah, and I think yeah, too, I think... like when you hear, like when you can think of a an internal comparison. I mean, obviously, it's kind of what we hope for with the Addison Spurgeon situation a little bit. But if there is yeah. kind of that similar player, like a Jewel Eriksonek, like who does work his tail off all the time, right? Like maybe that's a guy that can step up, be a mentor. Obviously, like Brett McLean, kind of the fresh face in in Iowa too, with developing those guys. Um, it just feels like that can be a thing that can be learned too, which you know makes me optimistic in that sense. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe the the one, it's not really a knock on him, but, you know, comparing him, like you guys have been talking about, to, to act in that sense that he's a bit of a, you know, two-way, hard-working kind of forward is, you know, maybe you already, you just have that guy, do you, do you want, you know, it seems like that's, they've always been able to find that guy, so maybe, you know, obviously that that's the question about Richie, is that doesn't seem to necessarily have the absolutely, you know, jump-off-the-page skill that, uh, you know, some other guys potentially at center or at that position in the draft could uh, have, but he does, you know, an elite prospects guide, for example, he was ranked 14th and I've seen him fairly high a few times. So, 
obviously he's really high thought of and as you guys talked about with you know the the uh, not only just the kind of grinding ability really good defensive center also seems to just be really smart and has high hockey iq so you know maybe that even if he doesn't ever develop the offense that he'll still always be you know be able to do that or you know maybe the hockey iq will help him improve that even over the next couple of years in junior and uh, in the pros and you know maybe even push him past you know kind of the middle six upside but yeah he's another uh, you know maybe not safe is the right word but he's uh he's a, he'd be a solid pick for sure absolutely we'll just kind of go around the horn here again so there's our first mm-hmm. three uh off the board there samuel hanzik dimitri simashev and Kalem richie so zeke we'll flip it back to you mm-hmm. uh for this for uh second guy you're hoping that maybe gets to the wild yeah, so for my second guy, I'll go with, you know, another Russian in, uh, hopefully, we don't know how to pronounce this, but Daniil Bu, uh, I think is how we pronounce it, but he's, you know, the first thing, obviously, when you look at his profile, is that he jumps His last up. name is looks like Butt. That's, but, it that's, does. that's the first thing <laughs> that's you notice. True. <laughs> that's true, too. <laughs> but after the after his last name, probably the next thing you would notice on his page is that he's, you know, he's huge. He's 6'5", 203 already at 18 years old the right shot left wing which you know obviously you're not picking guys necessarily based on which way they shoot but you know that's the one thing the wild do lack is they have a lot of left shots on their team and and we've seen that kind of on power plays or whatnot but anyways you know about him he you know he's he's played in russia in their top junior league had you know 32 points uh in 32 games there scored a couple goals in 15 khl contests but you know, seems to have a really good shot. Uh, obviously, is pretty. You know, obviously has the size. As as we've talked about, that might be something that even if you're not, you know, you know, you don't want to pick just for you know a guy. You don't want to not pick a guy because he's too small, and you don't want to just pick a guy because he's big. But I think this is another case, like Brett mentioned, where you know the his size and his you know his potential reach and all that is is not a bad thing because you know, it seems to be really potentially good goal scorer as the pro level and, and all that and maybe kind of fits some of the wilds needs on their team and you know it also doesn't hurt to in some of these spots as we've seen them kind of focus a little bit last couple of years on picking russians it probably doesn't hurt necessarily that uh, you know that you'd be coming into a team with a couple great good prospects and obviously kaprizov which you know could uh, you know, seems maybe play a role in some of the picks recently, but yeah, I think I, I really like him. I think, you know, there's a little bit of a raw, like on the prospects they mentioned, he's a little bit of a raw talent there, but he had 21 with, you know, that size and that potential goal scoring ability is pretty enticing to me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> kind of a, a pattern we're going with here is, uh, you know, of course skill, but a lot of size with these guys that we're covering, uh, six foot five is a it's a big wing, big player big wingspan <laughs> and uh, you know playmaking is his best uh, ability he's a high end finisher uh, pretty creative with puck handling and uh, <clears throat> coordinated especially for being six five uh, so you know be be a fun pick to to be able to have mm. another Russian yeah yeah and I think too this situation where you know we talked earlier about maybe taking the swing on talent. Um, you know, I, I think a thing in, 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 uh, in boo that you're getting is maybe not necessarily talent. It's you're taking a swing on something you really don't have. Right. I mean, the closest thing you had was Jordan Greenway. I think this is a very, 
uh, different player than that. Um, but I mean, all those points you guys hit on with just some of those offensive abilities, um, you know, it, it's easy to think like, hey, the Wild really need a top six, they a top six that. But I mean, if you really look at, you know, a lot of what they have, I mean, they have, you know, hopefully Kaprizov's going to be an, on a long-term contract here soon. You have Matt Boldy locked up. You have really high hopes for a guy, you know, like a, like a Liam Ugrin. Um, you have a lot of other, you know, decently strong forwards in your system. Um, and you're going to have some cap space to play with, you know, coming out of these buyouts in two years. Like, you don't necessarily need a guy who can immediately insert, um, mm-hmm. you know, on your top line right away. It can be a guy that could maybe be a nice complimentary piece, you know, on a, you know, a third, you know, high, hybrid checking line, scoring line, or, you know, that, you know, maybe you have a huge second line where you have a, where you have a boo and an eck and a bully that just towers over everybody, right? Like, there could be some fun things that you do, so... Um, you know, I, I think that's what's really playing in the Wild's advantage here is they can just kind of go wherever they feel like, hey, let's take a shot and see if this maybe works out. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't, whoop do freaking do? We got a frick ton of money in two years and a really deep prospect pool. Who cares if we <laughs> missed on, you know, this one pick, right? And they'll yeah. probably find some gem in the second or third round like they seemingly always do anyway. So, um, yeah, really interesting pick. Not a guy I looked a ton into, but, you know, based on what you guys said and kind of the little things I'm looking at here as, as we talk. Um, you know, I think another player that, you know, could make some sense there as well. I think, you know, the interesting thing that I also read about him too, lastly, is that he seems, obviously we talked about the size, but it, from what I've read, it seems that it's, that's not necessarily the thing in this game, that he's more of a, they thought that, you know, an elite prospect basically said, think, you know, like a 5'8 guy with a lot of the finesse and skill like that, but, you know, he's three-fourths of a foot taller is kind of how they described <laughs> him, so it's you know pretty interesting there's not a lot of guys who you know are big but you know really skilled with the puck in that way all right uh justin your next uh player here speaking of taking a chance on someone uh you kind of seeing this guy fall to us in mocks uh edward sale 18 year old you know six foot two left shot right wing um playing in the chechi league Played for Team Chechia at the World Juniors, put up six points in seven games, and then also played for uh, the U18 team uh, in 22-23 at the Linka Gretzky Cup, put up six points, five games. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those players that has top ten sheer talent, but there have been concerns about his compete level, which is concerning, but when you have a player with top ten talent – and uh, it could be just, you know, I read it could be just a case of being overscouted, overanalyzed. Um, we're in a position where we can take a, a shot on a guy with that type of talent, maybe harness that. He is, um, he creates offense, very good at passing, uh, brings good shooting and hands to the table. And, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, sheer talent alone, he's he'd be a top 10 pick. But uh, there's some concerns there. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like uh, in their podcast slash, uh, I guess, interview on The Athletic that uh, Joe Smith and Russo did uh, with Judd Brackett that, you know, he seemed to talk. Obviously, they're not going to, you know, say anything bad about any of these kids, but, you know, he seemed to talk pretty favorably about him. Yeah. You know, like all the things you said, Justin, big and can skate and score and played against men. And he also said, you know, he said, well, you guys took a big swing, and that's what people like. We want goal scoring, and that's what he brings. So 
just a little bit insight there, and it seems like he's potentially a guy who said that uh, that they might actually have legitimate interest in, considering how much he's been, uh, he said, talked about with them. So. Yeah, I mean, Elite Prospect said his physical physical tools are all high end, but you know, just the compete level thing is concerning. But off the physical tools alone and the sheer talent, I'd be willing to take a swing, especially like I said with this top pool. Why not add someone that? have that top 10 town and get him to that point uh you know maybe it's just overanalyzed with that who knows right yeah, another guy you know six two again sticking with that you know that theme of size here um and i know so i one thing i want to talk we, we talked about compete now with both richie and and uh Sale. um i think it's a, a little bit different area so i i think richie is more not necessarily like lack of hustle maybe just playing a little more in the perimeter where where Sale, it seems it may be a little bit more of like ah pucks it on my stick i'm just gonna kind of coast around and some nights i'm just gonna disappear and then other nights i'll come back that type of thing um and that is like i i have Sale high high on my list but there's there's part of me inside um that wonders i mean we've seen this type of player frustrate the heck out of Dean Evason and Bill Garrett in the past, whether it's been a, a Matt Dumba or a Kevin Fiala, um, you know, at times a, you know, even beginning the year with a, you know, a Marco Rossi or a Keelan Addison, like we're just these players that at times seem like they're a little bit hard to be coached and can lack that effort, that, that grit, that, that motor that they seem to covet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as we mentioned, like that talent is there. So it's, I really go back and forth and like, yeah, you know, it's the swing for the fence on the offense, but is is the trade off of someone who may be you know might have that little bit of that laziness or that you know that little bit of passiveness at times when it comes to the game? Is that something that they you know they they want to take a chance on? So I still don't know where I lean. I've I've moved him up and down in my rankings, and I right. just I'm still teetering. I like the player, but it's like in my head, like, well, is this someone in the organization? Um, you know, I, it feels like something they're going to look at very closely. Right, and, and it depends. Obviously, they, well, go ahead, Jason. Sorry, no, you keep going. Well, I mean, just it obviously depends on if they, you know, what they think of in this case, you know, him as a person. If they think he's, you know, could be coachable or can yeah. kind of, if they get him in the right system with the right with uh, down in Iowa with their new coaching staff, they can kind of, you know, coach that in, coach that out of him and get him to, uh, you know, focus on those parts of his game rather than just all the uh, just all offense. So, yeah, and they have, you know, the opportunity, of course, to interview players and stuff. So I'm sure, you know, those are the type of things, you know, they're putting him through. Yeah. Um, if you didn't read, um, I mentioned at the top of the show that they added someone to kind of the the mental evaluation side of the analytics department. Um, I don't remember the individual's name, but like one of his first jobs this year was like creating basically an assessment um, for yeah. draft picks to take that like not necessarily like, like the psychological assessment, but things that would just like analyze things about their mental game and the way things they they think the game, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something they added to their staff. So maybe to maybe try to dig into some of these things on coachability. Um, about effort, compete, those types of things, maybe like mentally could impact their game. So something interesting, you know, I don't know if we'll ever really get an insight as to maybe what that looks like. Maybe we will down the road. Who knows? I'm sure Smith and Russo will maybe get that somewhere down the road for us. But um, so something interesting there. So like, I think he's probably the most, I think there's maybe one or two other players that we can maybe call divisive on this list, but I think he's definitely one of the more divisive players, not only on our list, but I think maybe across scouting circles. Um, And I think he'll be a player that um, will be interesting to see kind of where he falls. He he gives me a little bit of um, uh, Arthur Collier vibes a little bit um, from a Mm -hmm. couple years ago. And obviously he's turned out okay with the Kings. So, yeah. Um, 
All right, so my second of three here next. Um, I'm going to go with uh, we couldn't get Quentin Byfield, so how instead we get Quentin Musty. Um, same team, I believe, played plays for the Sudbury Wolves um, in the OHL. Um, again, size, a theme here, six foot two, 200 pounds, uh, a left shot, left wing, so not the center. Um, this is another guy, a big, strong player, strong shot, good stick handling ability, um, a good passer, a little bit weaker on the skating side. Um, but a lot of times, uh, people believe, you know, the sheer hockey sense in the shot, the compete level, the puck skills just outweigh the skating ability. He brings so much to the table offensively elsewhere that like when you're spending that much time in the offensive zone making plays, you don't have to be a good skater. Um, so I think a guy who's going to play, you know, and, and this other reason. So, you know, skating is obviously, I think over the last five, seven years has become a much more common evaluation tool in the draft. I mean, you look at teams, you know, past couple years that won, you know, the teams like Tampa Bay, like Colorado, who thrived off the rush. Um, but the more and more I watch the wild, that's not an, you know, I, I don't think they're a team that maybe always wants to attack off the rush. I think when they had Kevin Fiala um, and when, when Matt Boldy was on that line, I think that was something those two tried to do a lot was attack off the rush. But I think you look at, you know, this year you saw, you know, a little bit of a change, you know, with that Johansson Boldy line, they attacked off the rush at times, but with Boldy and Eck, we've seen, you know, strong four checks, extending shifts, Kaprizov, um, Hartman, you know, like to go in the corners, grind pucks, find Zuccarello, set up plays. They like to work on the cycle, and that's, I think, an area where Musty really thrives is um, playing off the cycle. And to me, that feels like a systematic thing that the Wild seem to like to do is kind of drive offense off the rush. And this feels like a guy, or excuse me, off the cycle. Um, this feels like a guy that you could maybe stick kind of anywhere in your, you know, top six, middle six. Um, that's going to bring, you know, the ability to shoot, ability to pass, ability to forecheck. Um, I just think he could really mesh with a lot of the pieces they already have. Um, and, you know, if skating is the one knock, um, you know, I think Andy Ness can work on that. Um, and this could really develop into potentially a really good piece uh, for the Wild on the wing. Yeah, I, I kind of just gone through my notes, and, and I'll just add to what you said. This is a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. Um, Elite Prospect says he uh, wreaks havoc along the boards and at the net front, which, you know, kind of makes you think of the style of play we have. Um more of a physical playmaker with excellent vision uh, needs a little bit of work on his defensive game, but uh, when he brings the offense like that, I mean, that, I mean, you can always work on that, but uh, yeah, just, uh, he'd be really prospects has him ranked 12. So he'd have to follow us, but it would be um, an excellent pick at 21. If you felt lesser, if we could even trade up a little bit to get him 21 on the dot and Scott Wheeler's rankings. So kind of just depends where you look. Yeah, it's, yeah. You never know. <laughs> I will never say never, except for, you know, Bedard is probably never, but, you know, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I think just to kind of wrap this one up, I think, uh, you know, from the elite prospects reports and reading other things, as you guys mentioned with being like Brett said, being good on the cycle and being good on the boards, you know, with his big frame and all that, you know, they kind of talk to him, you know, like almost like a, a power forward, but, you know, kind of that, uh, Playoff style player that a lot of teams, you know, rightfully covet. Uh, a lot of ty- a lot of years, especially at the trade deadline, you know, it's always great to have a guy who can uh, play down low, who does have some skill and is, you know, 
obviously willing to go to the duty dirty areas, but can make play like Musty can with his passing ability and his vision, all that. So that's uh, you know that that definitely is you know that's interesting. And obviously, as as Brett mentioned, it just continues the theme of you know kind of that uh, guys with size, but also you know who have the size and have the skill that uh, can you know allows them to impact the game both those ways. Yeah, and I uh, correction, it was. Pronman who had him at 21, Wheeler has him at 18. Oh. Um, and then one note that Wheeler had in here, um, there was a time where he was thought of as the best American-born 2005 prospect. Mm. No longer the case, but it's a lot to be excited about. So, you know, again, I think, you know, we talked with, with Solly and some of these other guys, and maybe that upside type of pick, um, I think that's, you know, maybe what you're getting here in Musty again. So, and it's a sweet name. Uh, Quentin yeah. Musty, like, that's that's pretty sweet. It is. Um, <laughs> So, it's like I like my hockey bag smells kind of musty. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So it smells all the time. Um, so yeah, there's six. So that you know, to to recap those three again, there uh, my pick: Quentin Musty, uh, Zeke went with uh, Daniel Boo, Daniel Butt. We're not really sure. Boot. Uh, we're not really sure how it said. And then uh, Justin with Edward Sale. Uh, so we'll go with our final three here. We'll mix it up a little bit. Justin, we'll have you start here on your third, uh, and then I will go, and then Zeke, you'll you'll round us out. Sounds good. I'm going with uh, my third one, Nate Danielson. He is a six foot one, hundred eighty seven pound right shot centerman, playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings of the WHL and was their captain. Kind of all things that seem to fit Judd Brackett and what the Wild do with their drafting. Um, the more I read on him, the more I watch him, the more excited I get about him, and I feel like he's moving up my like list. Uh, pretty quickly, even though the draft is tomorrow night, he's just growing more and more on me. He's a great creator of rush offense, uh, blends skating speed, which is be- his best asset with uh, handling. Uh, he's good at handling in tight areas, kind of that stick handling in a, a phone booth type thing, and it's you know, good in tight areas. Um, good at the stick handling under pressure, which you know that's where the phone booth stick handling comes in, and uh, might need to shore up some of his timing and reads, but there's a lot to like with his game. I was watching videos, YouTube videos of him and his, you know, obviously his best asset is his skating. It's obvious with these these rush offenses. Just maybe that's not the style of Wild want to play, but he would be a fun player to draft and, and watch, I think. Yeah, he's a guy I looked into a little bit, and I kind of went back and forth in my opinions on him. It, and I think, you know, we talked about player. This is one of the players when I was talking about being divisive. Um, that seems to be one of them, but it's it's kind of weird. So the divisiveness seems to be how the scouting community views him versus how allegedly teams view him. It sounds like teams view him a lot more favorably than kind of what scouts are seeing. Um, to me, this is the uh, from kind of what what I'm understanding is this, this is a really high floor. Uh, type of draft pick someone who seems like guaranteed could be a, a bottom six center a third or fourth line center at a minimum could there be more there maybe but there you know there there could be a little bit of concern is is there a next gear there there seems to be a little bit of skepticism on what that is um, so, but I think when you look at players taken kind of in that 20 to 30 range Sometimes you just want a player you know is going to play games, which I think maybe that's where the difference is. I think when you look at these scouting sites, they're maybe looking for who's that bigger swing. Where where are those Sales? You know those types of you know they might right. never play in the NHL, but if they figure it out, they're going to be a top line player, right? So I think that's kind of where 
where it fluctuates. And I think for me, that's why I have him just a little bit lower on my list. And just kind of going back to what I said beginning of the show, I'm just in the camp that I, I think they're going to swing for the fences. Um, now, if, you know, the board just kind of dries out and like, well, you know, let's get a guy that we can, you know, maybe stick as our, you know, just a secure bottom six guy for years to come. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that, you know, that's, that's great. Um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, maybe brings a little bit different skill set. Um, a guy that does play a little bit more off the rush, protects the puck well, um, and, you know, could be a little bit closer to being NHL ready. Um, isn't, uh, I think he missed last year's draft, I think just by a couple weeks. Um, so not necessarily an overager, but one of the older players in the draft, um, having just missed last year's, I think by a couple weeks. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe some, some things there with, Hey, if we can get this guy sooner rather than later, perhaps that bumps him up a couple spots on your board, knowing you can have him making an impact, um, versus, um, you know, maybe taking three, four, five years of development. So a guy I still like just a little bit lower down on my personal list. Yeah. Zeke, anything to add there? Uh, no, I think, no, I think you guys got it good. Cool. Uh, I'll go with my final guy here. Um, would not be a hashtag on brand if I did not talk about a short king. Uh, so I'm going to bring up Gavin Brindley, uh, the five foot eight, hundred and sixty five pound, uh, described as a Wolverine uh, of the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, right now, I think plays a little bit of center. Um, scouts seem to project at the NHL level her turn more into kind of a right wing. Um, but another guy that's been described as a Swiss Army knife. Uh, only Adam Fantilli played more minutes than Burnley last year at the forward position for Michigan. Uh, Mitch Brown, who tracks um, tons of data across games mm-hmm. uh, for elite prospects, um, tracked him with very high Corsi metrics. Um, he had the sixth most productive draft eligible season in the salary cap era. He has a motor that just never stops going. He's all over the ice. He plays good defensively. Um, but obviously with, you know, having a five foot eight frame, um, you know, you kind of enter into that Marco Rossi, you know, debate where, you know, are the offensive skills and size impactful enough to make him be a legit top six guy? And if he can't, can the skating and the defense allow him to play an effective bottom six role? Um, so, you know, that's kind of what you're weighing here, but you know, for me, the the one thing, um, you know, just that, that motor, that ability to play all over. Um, we've seen Dean Evison love those types of guys. You know, your Connor Dewars, your Mason Shaws, your Freddie Goudreaux, um, even, you know, a little bit of Brandon Duhame. Just these guys that can play anywhere down the lineup, the guys who never stop moving, they seem to love those type of players. I think if this was a guy that stood maybe f- even 5'10", 5'11", I think I'd have even a little bit higher on my board. Um, but just given that size concern, I do wonder if maybe they forego him for some of these other options um, that we've talked about. But I think just a guy that, you know, maybe wouldn't be like the most electric player offensively, but that could just be a really good complimentary piece. Um, a guy that can move anywhere in the lineup, kind of play in you know, a lot of different situations, a lot of different lines and fill in, um, you know, wherever, wherever is needed. Yeah. I don't remember if you said this, I was listening to, um, where is it? Basically, uh, Jesus, sorry. I lost my spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can talk, Zeke. I lost my spot. I'll, I'll, if you yeah, want. okay. Well, he's I mean, I think it's... through those 16 pages of notes he's got over there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think just, you know, like when Brett was talking about with the, with Brindley is, you know, it seems to be just the motor and the feet level, and it seems like he's always kind of moving and uh, and getting around, obviously. You know, doesn't seem to maybe have the uh, absolute highest 
and skill and he is uh you know a little bit on the smaller side too so that's i guess another thing that uh, it, it seems in hockey that people you know have a knock against guys but i mean he had a really good you know freshman season i think at michigan with the you know the 38 points in 41 games and a really good team so that uh you know that is obviously kind of is a good sign uh doesn't you know so you know maybe a little bit not necessarily maybe he's more exciting of a skill guy but definitely seems like as brett said i think you know like you said it perfectly is could be more as you mentioned a complimentary guy or the the secondary guy on a more skilled line who can you know even if he doesn't have the skill he can keep up just based on you know his compete and his and his skating and all that yeah i think you already said what i was going to say brett so i won't <laughs> say it it's just that salary cap salary cap era uh, statistic yeah. but uh <clears throat> uh elite prospects has him as the second best uh, motor in the draft uh, I can't remember who's first, but uh, just an incredible player and it an incredible It might be. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look again. But um, just a player that excels on the defensive side of the puck. Uh, had, like you mentioned, 38 points, 41 games, so he's putting offense on there too, but he really um, excels on the defensive side of the puck. And uh, kind of that elite prospects describes him as that break in case of emergency type player. Uh, basically can be used in a whole bunch of situations and uh, has been described of having shades of Chandler Stevenson, which was, you know, really good player for Vegas, just won the cup with him. Um, definitely sizes weakness, as we've mentioned, but uh, has some pretty good tools to, to work with. And Zeke, we will go to you for our final of our nine uh, players here. Yeah, I think for my last one, I'll go with uh, with David Edstrom, uh, center out of Sweden. He's been mocked. You know, one of the main reasons I kind of went with him is he's been mocked the Wild a couple times. Uh, you know, at uh, fairly popular, I guess, sites and in uh, and in mock drafts and all that. So I thought it would be interesting to look into him. And you know, he's a little bit different. Obviously, he's not you know the first thing when you read parts on him he doesn't really have much dynamism to the skill set there's not the whole lot there's not a ton of offense i mean he had a good good uh, year in sweden's junior league this year at a point per game and was really good at the u18s which is probably you know helped his stock go up a little bit but you know, just from reading him it seems like he's the kind of guy who might have the uh, you know might be a pretty safe projectable nhl player at the very least uh you know he's a really good skater. Uh, he's also big too. Again, at, you know at six three, hundred eighty seven pounds. So that's again another theme with a lot of our guys. But just seems to be also a guy who's got great hockey sense and who's uh, you know really good away f- when he's away from the puck, anticipating where it's going to go. You know, anticipating where you know the other team is in the defensive zone and uh, and be able to react to that and be in the right spots at all the time. And he's also as I mentioned, seems to be, you know, his agility apparently isn't perfect, and some of the, his stride isn't, you know, is apparently a little weird, but he is fast. He's, you know, he can keep up with that at top speed, uh, you know, at an NHL level. And, uh, but obviously, like I said, it, they've said it, he could work on his shot uh, and just overall his offense a little bit, but he, it seems like a guy who's probably a pretty, pretty much safe, you know, third line center at the NHL in two or three years uh, when it comes to it so again not a not really wouldn't be a particularly sexy pick compared to a lot of our guys but i think uh, 
you know, maybe he's another candidate if they decide to, you know, trade back in the first round there at the end and, and gain another pick in like the second or third round at all, uh, as we might talk about here in a minute. So, yeah, he's not not particularly sexy, but he's a pretty safe, uh, you know, at least kind of middle six center type guy. Yeah, I think I saw Corey Promen had him as <clears throat> a possible player that we uh, draft in one of his mocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of mentioned his name. Uh, I'll just add a two-way center. He'll provide some offense. He did have the highest individual expected goals at the J20 level among all draft-eligible players. Um, his defensive side is more compelling, but he is a solid distributor. And like as you mentioned, agility could improve, but he does skate fairly well overall. Yeah, and again, uh, one of his traits compete the motor. Um, you know, again, things that they covet. Zeke, I think you know it wasn't something I considered, but I, th- I love your point about you know if the Wild get to a point where there's a lot of guys that they like and look to maybe move back a spot or two. Absolutely, I think that's a guy that can make a lot of sense. Maybe in that situation where hey, let's maybe just acquire you know maybe some more of these complimentary pieces. Maybe it's a trade back and you get an Edstrom and a Brindley or, you know, some of those, you know, later firsts or something along those lines. I think that could make a lot of sense there, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't have an issue with taking high floor guys either. Like I don't, yeah. you know, I, I go both ways. So, but yeah, a guy I had on my list, um, as well that I, you know, had no issues with there. So, uh, that's it. That's our, uh, that's our nine. Uh, so to recap one more time here, uh, Justin's Samuel Hanzik, Edward Saleh, and Nate Danielson, Zeke's Dmitry Simishev, David Edstrom, and Daniil Boo, and mine, Kalem Ritchie, Quentin Musty, and Gavin Brindley. Uh, we'll go through very quick, nothing too in detail, maybe just a couple other names, honorable mentions um, that you want to throw out there. I think we covered most of mine. Um, the only one I think we didn't cover here on my list for the, uh, there was two, uh, Braden Yeager, who I still have pretty high on my list, um, kind of an offensive minded center. Um, and then as well as Kobe Barlow, um, kind of an offensive, uh, winger type, I believe we're kind of two, um, that I have them on, uh, that I had on my list. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of centers we've covered on the prospects page that I can, you know, kind of just throw out there in case we did move back. I've seen some of these guys picked higher than moving back, but a lot of times they're ranked further back. Someone like Otto Stenberg or like Riley Height might be uh, players that we could possibly move back for, get, gain a pick, and still get decent players. But uh, for the most part, we've touched every one that that I've got notes on. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, for me just a couple guys quickly. I would. Uh... Say he's a little bit more uh, Ethan Goche out of the QMJHL. Seems to be, you know, 5'11", 180, kind of a not particularly skilled guy, but a little bit more of a another one of those high motor guys who can who's really physical and is maybe a potential, uh, you know, third line, maybe type of playoff player. And then also uh, another Russian defenseman and uh, Mikhail Gulyayev, I think is how you say it. Um, you know, I ultimately he was in consideration of mine, but I kind of left him off my list just because it, you know, as we've seen with Addison, as a bit of a smaller kind of offensive defenseman. You know, maybe that's not the kind of guy they really like, but I, you know, I think he's also somewhat interesting uh, from that standpoint too, as well. I yeah. did want to add one defenseman I forgot to mention that's on my top ten list. Sorry, uh, Tom Willander. Um, 
basically uh, one of the only defensemen that's – I think he's, yeah, he's the only defenseman on my list in the top ten, but uh, high-end skating and motor engaged defensively, I think he'd be uh, uh, a good pick there if, if they did want to go defenseman. Yeah, and then just to add a little bit of uh, information on Jaeger, why I originally had him um, on my list, and as I gave it a little more thought, the reason why I, I bumped him out of my top three – um, is just he's very like not necessarily size height wise, but small frame wise. Only 166 pounds. He's a right shot centerman. Um, there's just a little bit of doubt as to he's a very good shooter. Um, but the rest of the game still has a little bit of ways to be filling out, and it sounds like there's some doubts as you know can he be anything more than a shooting center? In my mind, like if you're the Wild, like we would absolutely love a center that likes to shoot the puck. Um, that wouldn't be the worst thing in our scenario, but. Um, I think just I think the size and I think just you know the same things you know, kind of those same pauses I had around Brindley I think here come again um, into Jaeger but um, again I don't think someone that would necessarily be shocked if you know that was a you know, maybe that upside um, pick there as well on him mm-hmm. so uh, yeah so we talked a little bit about moving up moving down um, do you guys see that? At, you know, we, we talked about, you know, scenarios where they could move up. Zeke, you've mentioned maybe, you know, things they could do if they move back. Is that something you guys think they'll do? Um, or in your mind, is this, is this draft, you know, deep enough? Or they're just going to say, hey, you know, we're at pick 21. You know, there's three, four guys we like. Best player available. Let's do it. I yeah, think I... the right opportunity, sorry, Zeke, if the right oh. opportunity presents either way, mm-hmm. uh, I think conceivably both could happen i mean i don't know who they would be able to give up to move up or what they would have to give up but if they really want someone and a team has pieces that they want then i could see them do that i could see them also doing like we've mentioned you know the list is kind of drying up there's still good players available that they you know that they could take though still they move back an extra pick second round or something i mean i can really see it go any of the three ways, same pat too. It's, I know that's just kind of the cop out answer, but I honestly can see all three happening. Yeah, I guess, you know, my opinion. I feel like they'll probably most likely stay at twenty one, at the very least, to pick there. Just to, you know, obviously again, depending on who they have on their lists and whatnot, but in their own inside with their scouting staff, that could change that. But imagine they'll most likely stay there and then. You know who knows? Maybe they'll they want to uh, maybe the chance they, as you guys talked, use those two second round picks. I think fifty three and sixty four to, you know, maybe either move up at the very end of the first or sometime in like the thirty, you know, three to forty range in the second round where they maybe think they could get. Maybe if there's a guy that's on their board as they think of a first round talent falls into the second, maybe they trade up there, but. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I, I think they'll probably stay at 21, I would say. I think the least likely of the three is to trade up, honestly. Mm-hmm. See, I, I, I'm in – yeah, I don't know. See, here's what I view. I think it would be easier to trade back, but they would probably want to trade up more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think they're most likely to pick at their spot. So, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It's hard to tell what teams will want to do yeah. with the draft this deep. Yeah. like. Yeah, I, I think to Zeke's earlier point, I really I think a lot of this hinges on when and if there's a run of defensemen, or if for some bizarre reason a goalie jumps in there somewhere. Um, you know, there is seemingly always the one year where some player from like 
completely off the board sneaks into like the top like 20 somewhere like no one it's like where did this guy come from i was it uh cheaper cough i think for the blue yeah. jackets a couple years ago who picked him at like 20 it's like like 21 to 23 somewhere in there and he actually turned in i think he's turned into a pretty good prospect for them yeah um so like there, there probably will be you know there there will be a pick like that you know that could throw a wrench in things too so um should be a fun night uh details on the nhl draft i believe things kick off at 6 p.m local time here um there will be some shenanigans before so the first pick probably doesn't get made till 6 15 6 20 in very typical nhl fashion for the actual activities starting 15 to 20 minutes after it says on the schedule um i would think the wild probably don't make their pick you know i think two hours would be a, a generous estimate in terms of early um so if you're you know don't feel like you have to rush home if you're coming home from work at six wild probably won't pick till probably the earliest uh i think eight o'clock would be the absolute earliest more likely probably between mm-hmm. 8 30 uh nine o'clock and then they do have a couple picks um as well in the second round which will take place on thursday um those picks are at 53 and then 64. And then 64, so that last pick yeah. of the second round, that was the pick from the uh, Jordan Greenway trade, which unfortunately was the pick of the Vegas Golden Knights. So it is the last round. Uh, no picks as of now um, in the third or fourth round. Um, and then again, I think one pick each in rounds five, six, and seven, if I recall yep. correctly. So correct. won't make as many picks as they have in the years past, but probably not the worst thing. Um, the one last thing, I, I don't know if, I if we talked about this, but I am curious with those two second-round picks that they have, you know, I think I think the obvious pieces in my mind, if they were to make a trade, um, to me it come, it's four assets, I think, that could be added on to either pick 21 mm-hmm. or package together. To me, it's pick 64, pick 53, Kellen Addison, um, and Ryan O'Rourke. Those would be kind of the four names if you will or assets i think that if they were to make a move um that was prospect draft related um those are the four names i think that would put or four pieces that would potentially be in play there do you guys agree disagree yeah i think i'd agree mm-hmm. yeah i know it's that sounds, uh sounds like yeah it, it's, most it's just, yeah it's just hard to uh like you say i haven't really even you know like we've talked about i haven't really even thought about anything other trades just because they don't really know what they'll be uh you know aside from moving up or down what they'll be trading for but obviously you know things can happen that we don't even know about that can potentially be going on right now so i guess uh but yeah no that sounds right awesome uh let's see did we cover everything on our list i think we did um any other thoughts that you guys have um on the drafts any other prospects you want to give a little nudge a little shout out to uh here before we wrap this show up uh not too not too much just uh obviously like you know like usual like we say with the draft it's always uh it's always just really exciting because you know it's kind of a obviously for all the uh prospects getting picked it's one of the best nights of their life and for us as fans it's fun to what we've done here tonight just to speculate and just kind of you know wonder on potential what guys your team could get and what that means for the future and all that and obviously we've been uh, you know kind of spoiled with all the fun we've had with drafts here since Judd Brackett to those hired back in 2020 so 
uh, you know, just, you know, should be fun again. I think, uh, you know, as if we've seen anything the last couple of years, they always find a way to do, at least from what we can tell, do pretty good with their picks. So it uh, should be a fun time. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll just throw a name out there. I like that. Might be in the second round, Danny Nelson. Um, other than that, excited to see what happens. Excited to see who we pick. Excited to see where the future UMD Bulldogs go, like Jason Chagabay and Adam Gajan. Mm-hmm. Um, just overall really excited. This is maybe my favorite night of the year outside of like opening night and such. Just I love seeing who we're going to get for prospects and adding them to the the young guns page and just getting fired up to run that again and, and just add on to what we already have, which is an excellent pool. Absolutely. Uh, and then my final plug will be a uh, somewhat shameless plug, but if you, uh, you know, don't want to watch the, uh, the boring draft coverage on ESPN or wherever the heck else it's going to be broadcasted. Um, the soda pod uh, will again be doing their uh, draft live stream we've got or they've got a great um lineup of guests um headed for that show myself included uh dan bradley will be joining i think alex micheletti i will be joining as well um let's see i think um dev from 10k takes will be there uh seth topol locked on wild joining in uh spoke z of course ishan hoppy hosting the whole thing I think the folks from 7th Avenue Pizza might be coming on at some point. I think folks from Waggle, Northland Vodka, like Better Edge. Like, it's a whole cast of characters. Um, my plan is to jump on, hopefully, somewhere around where the Wild are picking. So, probably once that middle-ish round starts, maybe earlier. So, if you want to tune into that, join in. They have a live chat the whole time where you can ask questions, hackle us, whatever you want to do. So, I'm just going to um, come on and hackle you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe let you, <laughs> they may let you on the show. Who freaking knows? Yeah, um, bring you in. Um, but it's it's always a blast um, for those that have watched it before. Um, my reaction to drafting Marco Rossi was caught live on camera and is pretty funny. Um, I think when I'm a guest on their show, I think they actually have an audio clip of me yelling Bill Guerin is a god or something along those lines. Um, so it's always a blast. And, you know, we, we watched, you know, I, I didn't get to do it the other year uh, that you drafted Volstead because I was on a golf trip, but I've been on it every other year, and it's super fun. Um, crushing beers the whole time and having a great time. So if you want to check that out, uh, the stream will be on um, my Twitter account and the Soda Pods, not official account not the one that's been hacked their other account um but you'll be able to find that there check out hoppy's page or any of the other names i mentioned so come check that out it'll be a great time hanging out talking hockey reacting live uh to the draft and um complaining as the players <laughs> like get taken and whatever else happens so should be a good time um but with that uh that's it you know we uh we leave you guys for a couple weeks we hit you back with a you know hour and a half long episode so you're welcome um we made up for it maybe so uh let us know what you think if there's any players we missed any other players you're high on um let us know in the comments uh twitter was probably where you're most likely to actually get a response um but let us know um if there's players that you agree with let us know that too feel free to share the show with friends families acquaintances dogs cats fish uh, whoever you think would benefit from listening to our show we do appreciate the support um, and on the soda pod notes, we still do hope to do our collaboration following sometime after the draft where we rank, uh, the prospect pool, 
um you know it'll be with some graduates the new additions to the pool those types of things top 20 just like we did last year uh we know that was a very popular episode that people really enjoyed so we are hoping to bring that back we do not as of this time have a tentative date but we will work on hopefully getting that scheduled because uh, i know that's something that we all enjoyed doing as well yes. so something to keep on your radar but with that said uh justin why don't you remind everybody uh where they can find you and all of your work you can find me at de 2004 you can find me at Kaprizov C with the Kaprizov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. And you can find me at Pipeline UMD with UMD Bulldogs Pipeline. Zeke. Yeah, as, uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Blatt with capital Z and a capital B. And so if you want to connect with me at all, that's where you'll be able to find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram, at SoundTheFogcorn, all one word. NHL entry draft, first round, tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Central Time, rounds 2 through 7, wrap up on Thursday. Minnesota Wild pick in the first round at pick 21, and then have two picks in the second round, and then picks again in 5th, 6th, and 7th. Uh, we will be back at some point to recap the draft, maybe talk a little bit of free agency stuff, should anything happen, any notable news. Uh, probably if Gus gets extended, we'll jump on quick reaction show, those types of things. But until that time, this has been another episode of Sound the Puck.